acquiring directions towards the homestead. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to a special episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know. I am Quick Change Ben Juan, and I'm here with... <laughs> and Ruvius Aurelius the Third at your service. <laughs> <laughs> and today we will be giving a different episode from the usual, a little shorter even, but on Saturday, June 25th, I attended the Nostalgic Nebula's Batman Returns 30th Anniversary event in Hollywood, and there was so much that happened, so much information shared. I wasn't planning on doing an episode on it, but afterwards, I figured I had to. So uh, here is the promo that we have that I pulled up on our video over here, but Nostalgic Nebula is a company read by uh, Cody Chavez, I believe, uh, basically throws events celebrating anniversaries of older films, puts together screening events, Q&As with people involved in the movie, and apparently they did the 25th anniversary for Returns in a different theater which I missed, but this is the closest thing you could get to a comic convention built solely around the Tim Burton Batman, it felt like. I was actually amazed going in, because I wasn't <laughs> yeah. expecting... I thought, like, oh, this is screening, a Q&A and stuff, might be some people in costume. I didn't realize the full level of what this was going to be until I walked in. So uh, we, again, I wasn't planning on doing an episode. I just thought I would go in maybe try to invite a few people who involved in the movie uh, onto the podcast. But, you know, not everyone in our audience gets to live in L.A. and gets to go to these things. And many of them were, you know, saying, I wish I had, I wish I could go to this type of thing or I wish I was in L.A., L.A. so far away. And I thought, you know, let's give the audience a recap or some sense of the experience. And also, uh, you know, I'm giving you a sense of the experience, too, since I know you weren't able to make it. So uh, it's kind of yes. a benefit for everybody on this. So... Uh, this took place in Hollywood at the Montalban Theater, named after Khan himself, Ricardo Montalban. And uh, I also think they're shooting, or they shot the valet on Hulu there. Uh, but I wasn't... One thing is you see how decked out they got for an event like this. Have you been to the, any... Maybe not Nostalgic Nebula, but any of these sort of nostalgic-type screenings before? I don't think so. I went to one for... Uh what's that called uh trouble big town little china what's the movie called again <laughs> big trouble in little china big trouble in little china mm-hmm. i had never seen it before actually and i and like will arnett was there it was like some he was like hosting oh, wow. the the event or something it was really crazy oh no he was at one for with nell and i which is like a another oh movie you know with richard nell e. and i R- richard e grant paul mcgann yeah <laughs> I, with that movie, I had no idea they directly lifted that one character, that roadie, and put that character in Wayne's World too. Like oh, really? that, they, it was like the exact same character. It was it was kind of a side character, but still, like that was huh. kind of eye opening. I forget. So Will Arnett was there for with Nell and I, mm-hmm. and then Big Trouble Little China was. I can't remember who who did that, but I, the screenwriter for it was there. So yeah, I've been to. Gotcha. A couple of things like that. That's one of the cool things about LA. It's not just like, you know, I'm sure New York has this too, and maybe all cities to a certain degree, but like, you know, LA being the city that it is, it's mm-hmm. definitely like just a whole city really geared towards movies. Right. Like, you know, like the whole fucking town. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah. yeah, and this is this is the type of place where this event would thrive, and it did. Mm-hmm. So here's the front of the theater. There's the Montauban. It says, you know, standard stuff, the marquee, Batman Returns, June 25th. But if you look at the doors, the doors have the Shrek cat on the glass. Nice. They, they really went all out. Yeah, and that's that's not all. So let's get closer there. On the floor, they had the Shrek cat. The floor right above, right before wow. the doors. And then the posters are all Batman Returns related. And they're all wow. created, I believe, by Nostalgic Nebula. These are not in the actual movie. These are made to tie into the movie. So uh, for the RL listeners, we have uh, the Red Triangle Circus poster, meant to look like it did back when they were still a circus team and not a gang. In the center is Gotham Lady Perfume. It says exclusively at Shrek's department store, and it has a phone number at 1606-SHREKS. That is a real phone number that they bought that you could use to what? get tickets to the event. Yeah, I called what? it... I called it myself, and it's basically a them reciting the Gotham Lady perfume advertisement line line for line from the movie when it was the voicemails on Selena's answering machine. That's so, insane. You know, uh, the number on the side of the van in the latest Stranger Things season, you can call that too, and it's the actor talking to you. Oh, it's a recording, but still. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that type of stuff. I don't usually, yeah. I mean, I don't call it every day, but like, I, I do love that they go all out for that type of stuff. So this was... This was amazing. And then at the end is Shrek's energy for his power plant that he wanted to build in the movie that he never gets off the ground. So that's pretty cool. And then they also give you, when you come in, uh, I'm going to show this. I'm going to, if you, let's switch to uh, bigger mode here. But uh, pretty much they give you an Oswald Cobblepot for mayor sign for you to hold up. So I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. So I walk in and there's already three of the actors there who are giving out, two of them are giving out autographs. So uh, let's switch over to here. Uh, Pretty much we have, from left to right, we have Gregory Scott Cummins, who played the acrobat clown who steals the mayor's baby so the penguin can make his debut. Uh, In the center is Henry Kinji, who played the criminal Catwoman fights and claws his face. He's the most recognizable since his character didn't have any clown makeup in the movie. Oh, right. And then taking the selfie at at the far right is Branscombe Richmond, who was the clown who takes Selena hostage in the beginning and then gets hit when the grapnel and uh, you know pulls the part of the wall out. I had no idea either before looking him up before the event that that was a Native American actor playing the role. You'd have no the, idea. He's got full yeah. face paint. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So they're selling autographs. Uh, Greg Cummins, the acrobat clown, uh, signed his for me, wrote his line from the movie, I'm not typically one for speeches, so I'll just say thanks. <laughs> and uh, Branscombe, who was, again, the clown who takes Selena hostage, he wrote his line, you missed, on there. So, oh, man. Uh, autographs were only $10 each. I'm not usually the one to sign up for, like, autographs at cons, where it's just, like, you pay a whole bunch of money for it. But I'm just like, it's $10 each. They're right there. When the hell else am I going to get? And it's also Batman Returns. You know, <laughs> like, this is yeah. the, these are the, these are the guys who are involved with the movies we talk about all the time. You know, this isn't just some random True. person. I'm just like, oh, I kind of remember that person from this thing. Like, no, these are actual people from moments I definitely remember from this movie. When so, people, at, when I go to conventions, people will often ask, well, what'd you get there? And I'm like, yeah. nothing. And they'll be like surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, usually I'm just there to walk around, go to the panels, see cosplay. I mean, yeah, there's there's exclusive stuff, but I hardly ever actually buy anything. Yeah, like both of us went to LA Comic Con. I think we yeah. we just walked out more or less empty-handed <laughs> because we're just like we didn't oh, buy we're anything. There. Yeah, yeah, we were mainly there for Rob Ailing and just to experience. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the um, the Lee Walds for the X Men panel. Yeah, the Lee yeah. Walds, they were great. Yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, I, I, I had the X-Men book, but that's because I brought it with me. I didn't get it there. So it, it, I walked out with stuff that I walked in with. Uh, so it's it's not something I usually do, but for here I'm just like it's Batman Returns. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So I will be uh, trying to find room on my wall to place that uh, in a bit. But uh, I there weren't a ton of cosplayers. I was there in my quick change Bruce Wayne shirt that I'm wearing now. A couple people there recognized the shirt as the action figure. Came up and talked to me a little bit about it. Uh, a few cosplayers I saw in line in the theater were um, there was a guy with a pretty impressive Batman Returns type of bat suit. But most of it was like Batman-related cosplays, but not actual Batman Returns. I saw a bunch of Jokers. There was even a Lego Batman. Uh, really? Yeah, there was a Lego Batman guy. That was pretty. It was pretty cool. Um, That's funny. They did have their own Batman walking around in the Batman Returns suit. I believe he was Travis Yosef, uh, or Yusuf, uh, who showed up towards the end. Uh, there was also somebody in a black hoodie with Zach's Pfeiffer Catwoman on it oh, and I, wow. I wanted to go up to him and talk to him and get a picture with him but i saw him before the screening started and i just couldn't find him after the event was over so unfortunately i didn't get to talk to him and, and see if he like knew zach by name or if he just got it off of the store or whatever but anyway uh they were also selling raffle tickets to win a pair of catwoman gloves with the claws in it the actual ones uh i don't think they were the actual screen used okay. one but like replica ones Okay, uh, stuff, okay. Which is like, that's pretty cool. If they had Batman ones, then sure, I would for sure get in <laughs> on that because like I would want those. I don't right. need the Catwoman gloves. Uh, but that was cool. And then they also had a booth where you could get your face painted like the Red Triangle Circus Gang from the movie. Man, they really went all out. Yeah, yeah. As, again, I was amazed. And this is, this is before I even walk into the theater. So right. when I walk into the theater, they're doing a demonstration of the makeup of the Penguin. And it's not just like random people in the industry, it's actually people from the movie. So it's yeah. it's, it's V. Neal herself who did the makeup and prosthetics. Uh, right. Let's see. Let's get her over here. Yeah. So that's her working on the Penguin there. Uh, she did the makeup prosthetics on Penguin. Obviously, it's not on Danny DeVito. One of the actors working on the event, Connor Breen, is <laughs> this poor guy's in two hours worth of makeup, I think. Uh, v. Neal that's said, cool. she said that DeVito, it, basically took two hours to get him into the makeup and they were already like when I walk in, he's like bald and in the like fat, like the fat suit when I walk in. So clearly they've been working on him for a while by the time I I see him for the first time. Right. Uh, V Neal is, she's a three time Oscar winner, two of them on Tim Burton films, Beetlejuice and Ed Wood. The third is the, the masterpiece that is Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, no wonder she won the Oscar on that one. I could totally I saw, see that. For some reason, I saw that so many times when I was a kid. Same man. here. Yeah. Yeah. Big feet. No meat. Not feel good. <laughs> He's doing the fucking dinosaur dance. For a while, Pierce Brosnan was not James Bond to me. He was Stu from Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I forgot. I for, forgot about Stu. Because he chokes on the dinosaur. shrimp at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's and I remember, revealed. like, he wants to go to the... Uh, smoking section of the restaurant because he she used to smoke or some you know uh, yeah. there's ra- random stuff i remember from the movie mm-hmm. no that's great it's great so mm-hmm. v neil did that uh also worked on batman forever and batman and robin so she did three of the batman movies from the 90s okay. so that's excuse me fantastic and then ronnie specter was there she's another uh, makeup artist helping out that's her uh to our right uh next to the penguin uh with the dark curly hair 
So uh, she helps out. She also did the makeup for actress Kayla Emerson, who was getting done up to look like Catwoman. You can kind of see her on the right uh, very faintly. It's, it's a little far away. It was kind of far back. Uh, but they do the like white makeup on her for Catwoman to sort cool. of get her done up. And then sort of I, they had to kind of sew Pfeiffer into the cat suit anyway. So that's probably what they did off uh, off stage before bringing her back on in the cat suit. So uh, let's crazy. go. Yeah, let's let's pay tribute to to the guys who were doing this. So again, it was Connor Breen inside the suit and other members of the makeup team, according to Nostalgic Nebula, uh, were Chrissy Lynn, David Woodruff does the nose sculpt, Michael Sean McCracken doing the chin wrap sculpt, Steve Laporte doing the penguin teeth, Rob Pickens doing the wigs. Uh, you see here they add the wig to him right here. Uh, Chad Edward Lee Evett doing the costume, Milo Dennison doing the body fat suit and prosthetics provided by RBFX Studio. And so they add big fur coat to him, the gloves, the umbrella, the top hat. They even give him the uh, cigarette holder that he spits out in the movie. But I guess the, he's trying to replicate how it looked like in, in the poster. you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we see Branscombe uh, comes up, takes a selfie with him, and then Connor starts addressing the whole crowd <laughs> using lines from the movie. And, of course, everyone... Nice. At this point, starts holding up those uh, Oswald Cobblepot for mayor banners, and I realized that's why they gave it to us so that we could, nice. we could play along with him as he does this. So uh, that's fantastic. Here's uh, these are all my pictures right now from the from the audience that are not like super great given the lighting. Here's uh, here's a legit photo of him oh, wow. off his Instagram next to the posters. I mean, this is pretty much this is as perfect as you're going to get in yeah. terms of like Danny DeVito. Oswald Cobblepot cosplay here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just fantastic. Check out Connor's Instagram page. He's at Mad Hatter Boy with an underscore at the end to see these pictures. They're, they're fantastic on this. So, uh, he's up there, and then they get uh, Selena on stage looking like she did at the end of the movie without the cowl and her hair done the way that it looked there. And uh, they also had the same hair supervisor from the movie, uh, Yolanda Tusing. Um, so she probably recreated that on her as well as the the wig on Penguin. So that's why it looks so it looks so accurate, you know. Mm -hmm. Outside of the fact it's not Devito and Pfeiffer, but can't really change that. So uh, it's it's great. And at a certain point, you know, everybody likes this, but they're kind of here for the movie, which is interesting because for me the movie's the least important thing <laughs> about the screening because I've yeah, seen it so many times. You have it at home. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it was just the screening, I wouldn't have gone. But because of all the different things, I'm just like, okay, yeah. sure. Because I'm not, I'm not the type of person to be like, oh, like I haven't seen it on the big screen. I need to see it on the big screen because it usually doesn't change the movie that much for me anyway. Uh, I don't really notice anything new on it. But you know, people are getting impatient at this point. And then uh, Cody Chavez, who's running the event, walks on. He's dressed in a Riddler outfit, which, by the way, if Cody's listening, uh, that does actually tie into the original Batman Returns script since there's a mention of the Riddler hiring at the end. So he did find a way to tie into Batman Returns, but he announces that before they start the movie, they're going to have a string quartet on to play Danny Elfman's music. That's amazing. Uh, so we get treated to a live quartet performance of the Batman Returns score. Violin one was Lucy Liu. Uh, violin two is Lisa Gazanka. Uh, on viola is Matthew Whitmer. Michaela Schmitz on cello and Flora Chang as conductor. Apologies. Not the Lucy Liu. Not the Lucy Liu. That would be a hell of a get. <laughs> yeah. It's something like this. It's on cello, Yo-Yo Ma was <laughs> there. Yeah. You know. 
We couldn't get Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, or Michelle Pfeiffer, but we do have Lucy Liu, Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma just going to absolute town on that fucking cello, man. Just for, you know, a five-minute appearance on stage for the Batman Returns. He's playing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. People don't know why. It doesn't relate to the movie, but god damn, people Nobody are crying really anyway. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Scorsese starts conducting for some reason because he's there. He considers Batman Returns cinema. Yeah, yeah so it's, just that, just that one. It's just that one. In, 80, in 89, that's it. Yeah. People are kind of skeptical since they want the movie to start, but the second that the strings start playing the Danny Elfwood Batman theme, everyone shuts up. And then I everyone bet. starts clapping because they're just like, oh, actually, yeah, this is fucking cool. So This is why I'm Great here. performance. Yeah. Great gothic feel to it. It's it's the first of many surprises. I mean, I was already surprised, but the stuff I was surprised about was stuff that they kind of already announced. I kind of knew in general who the guests were. I didn't know that they were going to be giving autographs, um, but uh, I kind of already knew that in the makeup demonstration, but this was something that was not announced. So I'm like, this is fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. So they played the Birth of the Penguin uh, music from the beginning when you first you know go up to Cobblepot Manor, and then they played the finale track where uh, Bruce finds the cat and drives off with Alfred. So they finished that. Then the lights dim, the movie starts, and it was, it was the first time I had seen it in a big theater with everyone. And I think what I realized then was that you don't get necessarily a different experience with the movie so much as you get a different experience when you're with an entire crowd who loves this movie. Oh, yeah. The, and I hadn't experienced Diehards, man. Yeah, yeah. Some, it's interesting because I, I could tell that, like, there are the diehards. They're the ones who could say the lines with the movie. So at one point when Catwoman, you know, Max Shrek's like, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? And Catwoman's like, because he is Batman, mm-hmm. you moron. And basically a whole section of the audience said that <laughs> along with Michelle Pfeiffer, which I thought was funny. Uh, but I, I bet like there are people there who hadn't seen it in years. Probably the people who worked yeah. on it. Uh, and there were some who probably were watching it for the first time. There was a guy next to me. He seemed shocked that when Keaton unmasked himself at the end. Selena. I'm like, well, either you forgot that was the ending or this is your first time here. You know, it could be, you know, people who have seen the movie bringing their friends who hadn't seen it. Like you said that you hadn't seen Big Trouble in Little China before that big screening. It's probably, you know, other people yeah, in that same boat. Had. Like, you know what? This will be, yeah, it'll be cool to see this. So, uh, and yeah, just hearing different reactions, stuff that I might not have laughed at myself, but then I heard other people laughing. I'm like, oh, interesting. How, like, it, certain beats play differently to other people emotionally. So uh, that was an interesting experience. Mm. Movie ends, and then we get another surprise because a man comes out with a whip on the stage. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah. Anthony DeLongis, who is the basically the whip coach for Michelle Pfeiffer. He's the one who trained her in using the whip. Uh, and so we have a picture of him from behind the scenes. Uh, nice. He's doing that. So he comes on and gives his own sort of live whip demo. Again, this was not in the promo at all. So I'm just like, this is cool. Uh, he gives sort of a lecture on the whip inflicting pain. And uh, he said originally Tim Burton wanted to use the cat of nine tails because, you know, it's cats, it fits and stuff. Oh, right. And uh, DeLongas is like, please don't. All you can do is just pose and hit things. Here's what you can really do with a whip. So that's why. She doesn't have the cat of nine tails in it. She has, a, you know, a regular, a regular whip. I mean, I don't know the, the specific terms for different whips. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm no whip expert. No, yeah, uh, I have a coworker. A I have a coworker that is into whipping. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it, like sports whipping or whatever. There's competitions, mm-hmm. and he, he's taught some 
big name people too, like this guy. Yeah. Um, kind of here and there. It's not his main thing, but mm-hmm. uh, I asked him about this movie, and he said that like this is some of the best whipping on screen ever. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer just really nailed it. Uh, with with the whipping, and you know, not that they needed to copy that exactly, but it was something a little bit missing that from you know uh, the Batman maybe. But maybe we'll get in the next one, you know? Well, yeah, so, and then other interpretations. I mean, she didn't even have a whip in The Dark Knight Rises, too. Yeah, Just, she didn't. And I, I know she had. She did have a whip. Zoe Kravitz had a whip, and she mm-hmm. used it, but you didn't really see it too much. It's like under the car, and then she just wraps it around her, her hands, yeah, right? Yeah, it's only for like a minute or so. Honestly. Yeah. It's not, it's not quite the same, and I think it's... You got big shoes to fill when it comes to this, not yeah. just this role, but specifically this part, because... For those who don't know, okay, Michelle Pfeiffer has doubles for fighting, so Kathy Long yeah. was one of them. Uh, obviously, the big gymnastic move when she when she shows up in front of Batman and Penguin and says meow, like that's another double. But Pfeiffer did all of the whip work herself. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, she does it herself. It is, yeah. which makes sense because like who you couldn't really see anyone else do it anyway. With, with shots like this, it ha- it's of her face <laughs> the whole right, time. Right, right, so right, right. It has to be her, and, and she wanted, she insisted actually on doing it herself. To give another layer to her performance, and also know, you know, also knowing that, you know, you could kind of tell anyway if it's not her, when it's like this type of shot. Definitely, definitely, it had to be her. And so, uh, originally she had six weeks to train, but they ended up getting even more time due to you know changes in the production. It sounded like so. Uh, not only did Anthony DeLongas help uh, train her, but he also helped choreograph the whip movements on the set. Sometimes on the day of. He was talking about how Mm -hmm. he would show up on a set and he would look around the set and tell people where to move certain things based off of like what he think might be too distracting for Michelle's peripheral vision or things that might get in the way of the whip, all that type of stuff. And these are things Mm -hmm. you just don't think about when you're just like, oh, yeah, he trained her in the whip and that's about it. But in terms of like the mechanics and stuff uh, and certain movements, those are things that I, I had no idea about until he started going in detail and you just... You just have to appreciate in that moment just the level of care that that comes into uh, this stuff. I mean, making movies, they're hard. We know that. And, and I think people... <laughs> Dude, it's like it's one, of the hardest thing. it's one of the hardest things you can do, man, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And so to, to have this level of talent on there and to, to figure that type of stuff out and to have that, even just to just have it made, no matter what the quality is, but even just have it made is sometimes a miracle. Uh, so it's it's cool that he he you know was not only just a part of training her but also a part of you know the the production a part of choreographing what uh, what could happen with the whip all the different things she could do uh, which is probably why you know it's unlikely that this is going to be topped at least when it comes to the whip work for Catwoman because it's just there's just so much of it in here and, and so creative and it's so like well done due to a lot of what he and Michelle Pfeiffer brought to the table. Uh, he also brought up that he's the one who choreographed this scene where Catwoman like throws the chair with one hand at Batman while having the whip in the other, and she like sort of uses the whip to grab around the ice princess. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that entire move, that stuff was he came up with on the day of when he was not originally meant to be working. Tim Burton told him, like, we don't need any whip stuff today, but then he saw an opportunity, told Michelle Pfeiffer... Pfeiffer insisted on using, you know, on having Tim Burton use the idea, shot it in two takes, and they got it. Wow. Incredible. 
That's amazing. Uh, she's also famously, I mean, I don't remember if they brought it up specifically, but it's it's a famous moment where she's using the whip and she whips off the heads of the mannequins. Yeah. Uh, famously done by Michelle Pfeiffer, one take. First take. That's, that's insane, man. <laughs> so it's just how well he trained her in that shit. So it's, it's amazing. Um, Doing multiple also- takes back in the day, too, was mm-hmm. expensive because it was, you know, it was it was a film right so like yeah and it's also like 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 these days you can take yeah yeah, mannequin heads you get to reset them and all that Mm -hmm. like i've heard from older people in the industry like there it was more expensive but there was something too that like we gotta get this fucking take (laughs) right we don't have any more fucking film Mm -hmm. to spare you know, yeah. now we got digital, we got hard drives, we can do like a bill, yeah. bajillion takes. But back mm-hmm. in the day, it was like there was this real urgency, yeah, to get to get that take, or and, and at least not not one take every time, but like, you know, you, you got we got three tries here, guys. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, probably. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what would have happened if they if she got like one of the heads but didn't get the other two. You know, it's just like, yeah. all right, do you just get another mannequin do you re-glue the head on the first one like i don't know what they what their backup plan was on that but they didn't need it they might have had several mannequins who knows but yeah um you know just there's a lot more urgency than now though no matter what it was yeah that's true uh and then he also brought up that there's the part when catwoman confronts the security guards at the shrek store and then she sort of wraps the whip around herself it it uh it wraps around her body and the remaining sort of comes out and that was sort of his idea because the the remainders that sort of hangs, for lack of a better description, but basically <laughs> hangs past her butt. Uh, it kind of serves as a, a makeshift tail because there's right. no Catwoman tail on this outfit. So that the whip sort of served as the tail, which I've mm-hmm. like I've never noticed before over the years of of watching this movie. To be fair, it's only in like this one shot, and it might be in some other part of the movie, but it's not like she's not walking around like that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not a lot of emphasis on it, but it was—it's a great creative idea, and sort of the idea of of the whip sort of moving like a cattail in general was something he brought up. So just just amazing to hear just the level of care of not only good whip work but also how that would relate to the character of Catwoman was mm-hmm. just fantastic to see, and also just to see him do it because this this dude is a master at it. You do not want to mess with this guy. <laughs> He's a weapons expert, not just in the whip but just in other things. Uh, he brings up his wife, who's a doctor, Dr. Mary DeLongas, and he demonstrates how to use the whip on somebody by wrapping it around someone without actually like hurting them with the with the tip and stuff. So he's just it's just him and her on stage. He's doing the whip. It wraps around like her arm, her you know leg, all sorts of other places, even around her neck, just to show that. And he even demonstrates that on the Catwoman that they brought up uh, of Kayla. Oh, nice. So he does the same stuff extremely impressive skill uh and he he brings up that you know to him pfeiffer will always be the greatest Catwoman. and to be fair hard to disagree very hard to disagree on that hard yeah it's (laughs) tough man you know like i feel like yeah she's like the yeah it's like i want to say heath ledger but also jack nicholson you know she just kind of owns that role still she does yeah no no offense to other people but i think no one's going to take offense (laughs) no yeah especially when you you hear about this with the whip work and you're yeah. just like, they did not have to do any of this, right? They could have found other ways or rewritten parts to not even really use the whip or she just cracks it once and that's it. But the fact that they went this far 
it's kind of like mm. what I keep saying about the OnStar commercials. Like you did not have to go this hard <laughs> on this, but thank God you yeah. did. Yeah, it, it's 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 why she has a legacy that she did apart from you know, and that's just one element compared to just a fantastic performance. So it's it just really shows it gives you a lot more appreciation for this movie. So uh, it's at this point. They bring out the chairs for the Q&A, and the different tidbits revealed here are what really convinced me to turn this into its own episode. And you guys are going to find out about that after the break. On the Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast, we ask the tough questions. Killing a Rayman, whatever that may be, is that really so bad? Like, no, is he I even mean, alive? Like, do we know? <laughs> he I, I, he, he have any like desires, it. Cal? Does he have any dreams? We're ranking the top games of all time, and it's not a task we take lightly. There are three Battletoads, Drash, Zitz, and Pimple. Uh, they're all skin problems, good. Two of them are the same skin problem. This has always bothered me. <laughs> Zitz, Rash, and Eczema. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, <laughs> even that makes more sense. Hardcore Gaming 101, twice a week, every week. Subscribe at greenlitpodcast.com. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks, we do linguistic analysis. So the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so the changed meaning in Japanese, it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Sarah, you you can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Gentlemen. All men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything! However, there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles, giggles, in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack. Yes, use Johnson's Ballsack and use Manscaped. It'll help your confidence and to basically cut to brass tacks, it'll make your dick look better, guys. It'll just make the Johnson look bigger. That's all you need to know. It'll make your dick seem bigger. I don't know how to make it clear. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnson's Ballsack, that's the code at checkout at manscaped.com. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top product. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. 
They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside this platinum package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Ultra Premium body wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 shampoo plus conditioner, Ultra Premium deodorant, Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant, Crop Reviver ball spray toner, anti-chafing boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while traveling. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Air Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof, so you can shave with less mess. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply their aluminum-free, ultra-premium deodorant for that cologne-quality scent on the go. But it's not just your pits that stank. Your balls can stank, too. Thankfully, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve this problem for you. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Tone the balls, y'all. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Platinum Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag bring your comfort and boxers to another level. The Platinum Package 4.0 covers all the bases from head to toe. The best bang for your shebang. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Johnson's Ballsack. It's time you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with a reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Best Buy, and Amazon, or you can shop for them directly at HyperX.com. And hp.com acquiring directions towards the workplace <laughs> and just like batman we return to talk about the rest of the batman returns uh the 30th anniversary nostalgic nebula event that's a mouthful <laughs> to say so uh, ooh, so they bring out uh they're ready for the q a they bring out basically chairs that line up the entire stage and the first thing that they bring out is not a person, but this bat suit that I have on the left. They bring uh, out a shitload of cats. <laughs> they should have. And they can walk all over your face. <laughs> and bring you back. <laughs> they can heal you from anything, they can, yeah. including a fall from a great height. They so, start like like those televangelists, like healing people. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, I, can, I can heal what ails you with these with the 500 cats on stage. So they bring out this Batman costume. It's not the full thing. It's basically from the torso up and part of the arms, uh, but definitely like the cowl and the symbol and the, and the ab star, uh, stuff. So uh, I took a picture of that. And then on the right, they bring out the uh, moderator, who's uh, Deverell Weeks. Uh, and the first guest they announced is Daniel Waters himself, screenwriter of the film. 
Um, so he comes out. He's noticeably wearing a shirt that says hell here in pink, as you see, after the, the lit up sign in Selena's apartment. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, very on point of him, of Pretty course. Pretty incredible. Uh, and he brings up that this was, out of the 30 years since this movie, this was the best crowd. Maybe he was just saying that, but he said this is the best crowd that he had seen it with. Because we have to keep in mind, back in 92, Warner Brothers was not loving it like the people in that room were <laughs> last Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's true. It <laughs> yeah. made money, though, right? They just didn't. It did, but like it still got complaints, and McDonald's was just like, what the fuck? And you know, McDonald's was the big money with merchandising, so that's it's partially because of McDonald's that Dude, we got the directions we got. The power that McDonald's wielded yeah, in the 90s. <laughs> We've... They they long for those days once again. Absolutely, yeah. But it will never to return, <laughs> thanks to that supersize me guy. I forgot his exactly. name. Me too. Uh, so Daniel Waters, uh, the three actors I mentioned before, Gregory Scott Cummins, Henry Kinji, Branscombe Richmond, uh, V. Neal, Ronnie Spector from Makeup, Yolanda Tusing from Hair, Anthony DeLongas at The Whip. Again, apologies if I butchered people's names. Uh, there was also Shane Mahan, uh, who sculpted the Penguin prosthetics, Tom Duffield, the art director, uh, Rob Berman, a makeup artist and mold maker who went uncredited on the movie, uh, Andy Schoenberg, who was one of the puppeteers of the Penguins. There was also actor Steve Whitting, who played Josh, the guy whose nose was gushing blood after getting bitten by the Penguin. So oh, That guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He was there, too. Uh, and okay. There were a couple people announced who weren't there, unfortunately. Uh, Joan uh, Jamarco, who played the woman Catwoman Saves in the Alley uh, from Henry Kinji. Mm. She was announced, but unfortunately she wasn't there. And this was my biggest disappointment that he wasn't there, was Dave Lee, who was uh, the yeah. suit double, who did the martial arts. Unfortunately, he, for whatever reason, I don't know why he wasn't there, probably scheduling issues, whatever. But um, there are so many people, as you can see, that they did not have enough chairs. Uh, right. The actors decided to stand in the back and let uh, let everyone else sort of sit, which is very noble of them. But you know, also down to necessity because they just didn't have <laughs> they just didn't have the uh, the number of, of seats for them. Uh, so we got them, but then we also got uh, a video message from somebody who couldn't make it, and that was Doug Jones. Oh, nice. Doug Jones sends a sends a video message. Uh, so Doug Jones was the thin clown from the Red Triangle Circus Gang, and he basically had. I, at first, I thought, like, oh, it's just going to be a nice, like, hi, I'm Doug Jones, and happy anniversary, and that was it. No, this was, like, a five- to ten-minute video from him. Wow, that's sharing, good. Sharing, because I guess if he couldn't make it, then he might as well just talk about, like, like give what he would have said. So uh, he talks about how he got the part in Batman Returns, because, like, this is early in Doug Jones' career. This is before he's part of the Guillermo del Toro movies. You know, he's this is way before Pan's Labyrinth, and... You know, this is his first those. gig, right? One of his because he was practically doing... one of yeah, practically one of his first gigs, and so he, he was in the... that uh, McDonald's commercial. Remember that uh, old one with the moonhead, dude? It was, was like he moonhead. Of, he was he was either moonhead or somebody in that. Like, gotcha. It, okay, it's a pretty cool commercial, but that's like definitely a relic <laughs> from the early nineties. Jesus, maybe late eighties, but yeah, he's in that. But I think this might have been his first movie. I think so. So he shares, but you know, it's part of his big break. And he did not go through the casting department. He went through the stunt department at first. Oh, so okay. he thought uh, he he thought that basically he would be in a sort of sight gag in the movie because he has a history, for those who don't know, as a contortionist. So he thought, right. oh, like it'd be cool if there's like one moment where I'm like, doing something and then that, that's it. 
Uh, and so he has a friend who's part of the stunt department who says, like, hey, you should go meet this guy, show off your skills. So he demonstrates his contortionist skills. And the guy he's auditioning for says, all right, hold on a second, comes back in with Tim Burton. And then he's like, all right, do it again. <laughs> so Doug Jones, now a lot more nervous, uh, does the skills again. And then Tim Burton's like, all right, you got the part. And Jones is like, what part? Because <laughs> he thought he was just going to be on for like a second. Uh, and turns out that's when they hired him for the Thin Clown, who's seen throughout the movie in helping the gang take over the Batmobile. He straps the dynamite mm-hmm. to himself in this shot. He gets punched by Batman. Ironically, I don't think the Thin Clown does any contortionist stuff in the movie. I don't <laughs> Maybe think so. Maybe it was cut. Yeah, I don't I don't remember it. Even, even like, this was right after I'd seen the movie. I'm just like, does he do stuff? Because I you can see it happen because it's Doug Jones, but I don't remember a specific point in it. So uh, it's kind of ironic, but he, he's on the set for 14 weeks. Okay. And uh, ends up, you know, he had a few stories about DeVito, Christopher Walken, Michael Keaton that are honestly you know, better to hear from him uh, on stuff because it's very delivery based. But uh, in, in the end, he brings up, you know, returns. It's it's part of his, uh, you know, it's definitely a special place in his heart. And it is his favorite Batman movie, of course, for I think obvious reasons. <laughs> it was the one he got to be a I part of. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think many people who were there who might have worked on multiple ones, maybe they feel the same way. I don't know. But uh, for him, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the Q&A then. So the, each person gets asked one question each because, mind you, right, uh, this is an event that starts, doors open at 5, uh, and then 6 o'clock was when the screening was supposed to start, but it probably started closer to like 7. Uh, or so, Or maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, oh no! Six o'clock was when the makeup. Sorry, six o'clock was when they started putting the. They showed the makeup stuff on the penguin, and the, the whole pre-show stuff. Then seven o'clock was supposed to be the, the screening, uh, but that ran a little late. And then you know we did we had the whip experts. So by the time they do they start this Q and A, it's like ten thirty. I want to say. Uh, and so each person gets asked one question each because like they want to take advantage of everyone there, but they don't want to keep everybody there past like two a.m. You know. Because mm-hmm. uh, that would be very long. Because I was wondering if they were going to do any like questions from the audience type of thing too, like a convention. But there was just when you look at the time, you're just like, there's no way, there's no way they're going to allow for that. So right. uh, each person got one question each. So I'll try to go into each of the answers. Uh, Daniel Waters talked about how he got the you know got the role of the screenwriter on this and mentioned that the studio dictated that the villains were going to be Penguin and Catwoman. He had no say on what villains they were going to keep mm. or do. Uh, which is, I think, is something we've brought up before on here. Is something that I think I had read, but hadn't, like, I couldn't pull up a direct quote yet. So it's good to hear it from the, you know, right directly from the horse's mouth here. So mm-hmm. uh, Waters and Burton clearly fascinated by Catwoman. You know, no shit based off what we saw in the movie. Uh, yeah. They were not fans of the Penguin character from the '60s show. They just thought eh, he's kind of lame with his tuxedo and umbrellas and stuff, but. When the idea came along of turning him into more of a monster, an outcast, that type of stuff, you know, obviously that appealed to Tim Burton because that's bread and butter. Definitely. So, so uh, I can turn him into an outcast. <laughs> mm. All right. I can see this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So Waters directly said something that I think all of us have always felt, which is that if Batman '89 is a Batman movie that happened to be directed by Tim Burton, Batman Returns was intended to be a Tim Burton movie that happened to have Batman. That's how it always has felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get the full Burton in this movie. Yeah. And for it's, sure. It's Waters was basically confirming, and he probably has before, but he was confirming live that that was intentional. 
that it was mm-hmm. absolutely what it was meant to be. So mm-hmm. that was cool to hear. Uh, we got to hear from Ronnie Spector as well as V. Neal on uh, the different makeup ideas. So Ronnie Spector brought up that she was asked to make Selena Kyle's lipstick look like dripping blood, giving her kind of a vampire type of look, which I could, like, I heard that. I'm like, there's no surprise there. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like that. They succeeded on that. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a sort of rare behind-the-scenes photo from Ronnie Spector's Instagram, actually, of Michelle Pfeiffer from the ending uh, with her hair all done up and with mm-hmm. the uh, sort of blood-like lipstick. So that was cool. Epic. Yes. Epic. Uh, they also brought up the Red Triangle Circus Gang and a tidbit from a character standpoint that uh, these characters sort of miss being on the, in the circus. So that's why they never take off their makeup, and that's why the makeup looks really old and caked on their faces, as you can see on the one on, on Greg uh. on the left. So uh, that must have been interesting from a makeup standpoint because you're not just doing a standard clown makeup. You have to make it look like it's old clown makeup. Yeah, they just put it on every day. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was interesting to hear. I'm just like, oh, that's how they – that's why it feels that way. It sort of has did that clown, Did clowns scare you as a kid? Not really, which is surprising considering the fact that, like, we grew up with Batman 89 and Ronald McDonald and It – you know, I, I didn't see it until I was an adult, but I like I saw like pictures of it or different, mm-hmm. maybe different clips on TV every now and then. But uh, yeah, I don't think I was ever. I don't think I was ever scared of clowns. I don't think I ever found them funny either. I was just kind of eh about them. I never was afraid of them either. I just mm-hmm. always thought they were lame. But mm-hmm. like the scary clowns like this are, are cool. Yeah, the one you know, and and it and all that. I never saw it either until. Well, I've never seen the old one. The old I'm, one. Sorry. I'm sorry, internet. <laughs> I saw the new one. I apologize already. <laughs> it it's was worth two it just v- for Tim Curry. It was two or three VHSs, man. I'm not seeing that. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was a long ass fucking uh, horror movie. These days, um, you can just stream it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch those two VHSs too often. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the library, being like, I don't know if I want to watch that much of a horror movie. Mm, don't know about that yeah i know that's <laughs> that's how i was yeah so uh that, that was again another a tiny detail you don't think about and then when it's revealed to you you're just like oh yeah like that it really shows just the level of care taken mm-hmm. for this movie uh so in charge of hair is uh yolanda tusing who brought up that many of the uh cast members wore wigs penguin had hair extensions of course paul rubens had a wig as tucker cobblepot the poodle lady had a wig, but most surprising person to have a wig, I shit you not, Michael was the Keaton. poodle. No, was the poodle. Oh. <laughs> the poodle. Well, the poodle looks like it now that you mention it. Yeah. yeah. So I know we joked before on April Fool's about doing an episode built around the monkey. <laughs> Arguably, the poodle actually has more of an interesting story for a deep dive. So let's go into this. This poodle in real life is named Darla. And she appeared in several movies. She was previously in Tim Burton's Pee-wee's Big Adventure as the Pink Poodle. Wow. Uh, it's the you, same one. Yeah, you can't even tell it's the same dog. For, you know, one's in pink and the other's in ridiculous amount of, you know. Did they uh, paint this dog? They This would never happen <laughs> they must these have. days. <laughs> they must have, because how else do you, do you, you know, achieve that? This is why PETA, not that I love PETA, but this is why PETA was made. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like this is, they painted this dog Sherbert pink or whatever. <laughs> Now, uh, this dog also, like, I'm showing you, I'm going to show you a third picture. It's not going to look like the same dog, but apparently it's the same dog. She was also Precious, the dog belonging to Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. 
So this dog has range, man. Prolific career as a dog actor. (laughs) And so since Tim Burton had worked with this dog in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, he wanted the dog back for Batman Returns. It's like, this dog is an outcast like me. (laughs) (laughs) So the problem was the dog had been shaved at the time for whatever reasons, potentially health reasons. So maybe because <laughs> he'd been dyed. Goddamn pink out of his fucking hair. <laughs> I was thinking about that too until I saw that it was also the same dog in Silence of the Lamb. So unless the unless that wasn't oh, yeah, the natural true. hair either, then uh, maybe. But it's just like maybe we shouldn't have dyed her pink. I don't know. But uh, they <laughs> they gave a wig for the dog as well as a spandex suit with hair extension on it. So all the hair on this dog is fake in the movie. Wow. I thought like maybe some of it. No, all of the hair on the dog is fake. That uh, nose is real, though, right? That nose is real, though. Yeah, the nose is real. <laughs> the snout yeah, is yeah. real. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. But I think the the yeah, the curls on the poodle. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Sadly, uh, her name was Darla. Darla died the year of the release of Batman Returns in 1992. So this was her, actually her last role. Does her progeny live on somewhere in Burbank? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, okay. uh, maybe that uh, that dog's uh, granddaughter can be uh, Colin Farrell's poodle. In uh, the Penguin HBO Max series. Did she choose career over family? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But uh, yes, rest in peace, Darla. Uh, rest, but, yeah. rest in peace, Darla. Put that, put that on the Twitter. <laughs> it was going to be like, who the fuck is Darla? Well, you <laughs> see this it picture. was a dog in and just 1993. When did this movie come out? 92? Ni- 1992. Died in 1992 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her final role, rest in peace. Oh, uh, man. So the art director, Tom Duffield, was there. I teamed up with him to figure out the parking situation at the end of the night. I did not have a chance to invite him on the podcast because we were on a completely different mission at that point. But uh, Tom Duffield was uh, art director for Batman Returns, but brought up that he and his team were originally supposed to work on 89. Mm. However, Warner Brothers was just like, yeah, it's getting, well, probably John Peters, honestly, but (laughs) Warner Brothers or John Peters was just like, yeah, it's going to be cheaper to do it in England. So they decided to just use... English crew members there, which got led more us... spiders in England. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way. <laughs> By it, God, <laughs> to be fair, that did lead us to get Anton first when they did that. So that is true. That is true. You know, it, it still, it still worked out. We, I think it worked out for the best. You know, we got the Anton first, Nigel Phelps vision along with Peter Young, and they got the Oscar for that. And then we got the, you know, the intended team in Batman Returns here with Tom Duffield. So that was pretty cool. Uh, he brought up that they wanted to try everything on stage. Uh, which is similar to what they did in Pinewood, except now it's in Burbank, in the Warner Brothers studios, and they spent a million dollars alone on refrigeration on the set. Oh my so it God. was actually cold. It was not just fake snow, but it's really just a sunny day in Burbank type of thing. Like, no, no, no. It's a sunny day in Burbank outside, but you, when you walk in here, you're in Gotham, and you're at snowy time in Gotham, because Tim Burton wanted to see the breath of the actors, or at least for as long as the refrigeration lasted, because apparently, even though... They spent a million dollars on this, and the actors are freezing for a bit. I think he described it as like someone opened a door <laughs> and ruined it. So it didn't last very long, despite oh, all the man. money that got sunk into it. So that was kind of one of those like insane Hollywood nitty-gritty crew member stories in there. You're just like, Jesus, the amount of money to spend. Yeah, that that's insane. Yeah. Uh, but they, he brought up that the only thing they kept from 89 that we, of course, can recognize is the Batmobile. They kept, uh, you know, the the Nigel Phelps, uh, the uh, 
it wasn't Nigel Phelps who developed it. I forgot the guy's name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was not Anton first, uh, but uh, the original Batmobile from 89. Otherwise, they went for a neo-fascist look, he called it, to the city, where the okay. government buildings are like so big it makes the people feel small, is okay. uh, how he described it. And he, one Easter egg I had never thought about before uh, was the Hall of Records is the place where Penguin is sort of looking up. He's making his list of, uh, you know, all the firstborn sons and that type of stuff. Uh, I had never noticed this on the face. The face is Elvis Presley. What? On the Hall of Records as an in-joke because it's the Hall of Records. So they they just threw that in there as Great a joke. Great joke, guys. <laughs> it's a joke if you read into it and you notice it. You actually notice it. But, like, I was just like, wait, what? And then I had to look this up when I got home. Because it's not something I was really looking at when I was when I was watching the movie, so that's another Easter egg that they they told us I would not have known before going to this. Again, this is why I was just like, dude, I gotta, we gotta turn this into an episode because I just thought it was gonna be like, oh, like how was your experience like making this movie? Not like specific Easter egg type shit. So that is cool. You know, I was I was definitely I was on my phone the whole time taking notes because I'm just like I, I gotta get all this stuff. So <laughs> good job. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And luckily, that was for a Q&A, right? I could do that, as opposed to I couldn't really do that when the movie was screening because, you know, the, the brightness of the phone, people were going to get annoyed. But luckily, oh, with this right. one, like, it, it was natural to do that. Uh, so that was for the art direction. Uh, Andy Schoenberg was the uh, puppeteer who was there, talked about how in the scene where DeVito's Penguin is addressing the Penguin army, it consisted of, I quote, three dozen real penguins mixed with three dozen puppets that needed 40 puppeteers so just that, to pull this That's off. why they needed the refrigeration on set. <laughs> Partially, yes. <laughs> um, uh, Andy Schoenberg actually brought the puppet, one of the puppets, uh, as you can see on the right, uh, for uh, for people to see on that. People were just like, could you show the puppet? And so they, they showed the, the penguin on that. So that's, that's him on the right, as well as uh, the Batman who showed up in the Batman Returns suit that uh, he was moving around a lot, so it was difficult to get a good picture of him on the mm -hmm. left. But if anyone has a better picture of the of the Batman, you know, send it over to a superhero stuff pod on Instagram. But uh, then they went to the actors, and the actors all had, you know, these guys all had really funny stories about working with Pfeiffer, DeVito, Walken. Some of them, I think, are better if you were to hear them from them because of just how it's very delivery-based. Uh, Henry Kinji who played the criminal who gets like his face slashed by Michelle Pfeiffer, he brought up that he rehearsed with her a lot. And then when it came time to shoot it, she shows up in the cat suit and he hadn't seen her in the cat suit before. And he is so distracted by seeing Michelle Pfeiffer in the cat suit, he forgets the entire thing and they had to rehearse it. <laughs> so, well, uh, incredible. But uh, the biggest story was Steve Whitting, who plays Josh, the guy who gets his nose bit. So, <laughs> look at this frame, man. <laughs> God. Such a. I mean, just because he's dressed like this, I'll say this. Such a punchable face. Yeah, he's supposed know? to be. Yeah, biteable face. Yeah, uh, but yeah. he seems like a great guy in real life. I, I unfortunately, mm -hmm. I did not get a chance to talk to him because he he was the one actor up there. I did not get a chance to talk to. I would, mm -hmm. If you're there, Steve Whitten, and we'd love to do an episode. Yes, <laughs> nose gushing blood. The Josh deep dive is what I would call it. Uh, <laughs> I was part of the reason McDonald's was mad. <laughs> Probably, yeah. We can talk to him I about was, that. I was a very big reason why <laughs> Burton never worked on Batman again. Yes. So Steve played Josh, the guy who gets his nose bitten, and he talked about how like he was very new to Hollywood 
and uh, he thought he could improvise a little more during the scene, and that apparently pissed off DeVito. And so DeVito tried to get back at him by eating more raw fish. Apparently DeVito was actually eating the raw fish as People Penguin. Went absolute ape shit on this movie. <laughs> we have Pfeiffer eating a real fucking bird. Yeah. Putting it in her mouth, at least. He's fucking eating um, something that's supposed to be sushi, but it's not. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, Hollywood was a different place then also. You know? Yeah. Like it's a these bunch days, of maniacs. It would be like CGing some of the stuff, you know, and it would but just no, be no. like actual, just regular sashimi in place of, uh, yeah, of whatever he was eating. In place of the, look... the raw fish, yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess he was eating the raw fish to get back at at uh, Steve Wooding here because he had to bite his nose, and of course he's going to get close to the guy's nose with having literal fish breath. But <laughs> Devito gets his comeuppance because the effects crew rigged the blood incorrectly on Steve Wooding's nose, so. When they're just like, and action, DeVito goes in, bites him on the nose, and a pint of fake blood goes right into DeVito's mouth. (laughs) 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 Probably has the same expression that he has here. Um, So, yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, there's more details of the story that would be, uh, if we get Steve Whitting on, he he can go even further on that. But uh, I just thought that was, that was amazing. And uh, he brought up that he thought DeVito just hated him. But, Plot twist, DeVito casts him in his movie Hoffa after this, and they end up working oh, together. Nice, so, yeah. It's a pretty, it, it was, it's a fantastic story. I'm just like, Jesus, like, yeah, like these, these actors, they're only, you know, they're only in a few seconds or like a minute or so in the movie, but they walk away with such great stories about stuff that you, I hate to say you don't expect, but you almost don't expect because you're just like, well, how long could they have been on because they're only just in like one scene, but they, they have like a ton of stuff to talk about. I'm like, okay, wow. Mm-hmm. It was, it was great. And so, as I said, this really felt like a, a convention for Batman Returns. I mean, this was, the, they did kind of a, this as like a photo op uh, on it. And like, just look at the, the lineup here that we got. Mm-hmm. Plus, we got, uh, you can see Penguin, Catwoman, Batman, and the Riddler of Cody uh, in there. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing to see. So, uh, great night. And after the Q and A, I of course had the opportunity to talk to a few people. I got some shots. These are my other attempts of getting to the Batman, but uh, I also wanted a shot of the bat suit that they had up there. Uh, if you know, we already showed that there's great penguin pics on Instagram as of this recording. But if anyone has better pictures of Catwoman or the Batman, there again, superhero stuff pod on Instagram, send it over. I was a little busy trying to talk to people involved with the movie. Yeah, instead of uh, with the the people who were in character, um, mm-hmm. I know uh, one of our fans, uh, Yeet Isak, was there and he said he saw me but missed me unfortunately. Uh, but I did yet. I'll show this a picture with Daniel Waters who signed my Oswald Cobblepot for Mayor poster. So that's awesome, dude. We had a short conversation there, so that was there. He is <clears throat> highlight of the night. Uh, so. I'm sure you're wondering if you're going to see some of these people on the podcast who saw, sort of flesh out their stories. And so all I have to say is wait and see. But, uh, you know, look, if you look at how many people were there, people were trying to, you know, clear out before the event wrapped at 1130 at that night. If you were at this event and you were part of making this movie, I did not have a chance to talk to you. We'd love to have you onto the podcast, especially this year for the 30th anniversary. Everyone had great stories. It was it was a fantastic event. I wish there was time to talk to everybody, but there just there just wasn't because it was getting late and everyone was trying to get out. So I, I had to prioritize um, who was around and stuff. So uh, that is it, and that is superhero stuff you should know. 
all the visuals came from me this time, but big thanks to Dan anyway for providing <laughs> QC and the promo thumbnail anyway. because Emotional felt, support. <laughs> it felt wrong to not have at least a slide to say thank you. On yes, this, even indeed. though obviously this was this was this was kind of the one time where we're just like I gotta do all this. <laughs> There's no yeah. way. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. I have the shout outs here, but I fucked up. I should go to the uh, the the comments. Oh yeah, what are <laughs> yeah. you doing, man? <laughs> what am I doing? I was too distracted trying to to get this event going. Um, so Batman, gotta... re- but real quick, Batman Return. Just want to say this since this is episode. Uh, mm-hmm. I probably said this before, but like Batman Returns was the first movie, first Batman movie I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I did, but dude, I was so young. I don't really remember the screening, but I'm pretty sure I saw it because mm-hmm. I was in second grade in 92. I'm sure I saw it. Yeah. And uh, like uh, what else? Oh, I think I read or at least partially, but uh, the, the, the novelization for Batman Returns at the oh. time when I was a kid, Mm-hmm. I re- I actually think I remember even finishing it, which was rare for me at the time. But uh, it's a short yeah. book. I guess I guess so. Yeah, I was um, yeah, what eight? So mm-hmm. yeah, those are my quick Batman awesome. Returns uh, memories. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um. So this is a message I got from Paul, who runs BatmanOnline.com, <clears throat> and this was about nice. the uh, the Carl Newman interview I did. Uh, he said, hi, Ben, just listening to your awesome interview with Carl Newman. The confusion you both were having over the date of the cast and crew screening of August 6th, I think can be answered by the UK releasing being August 11th, 1989. And obviously the screening was in London. So uh, to give full context, uh, Carl and I were a little confused because he was showing me the invites to the cast and crew screening from August 6th. And I was just like, wait, the movie was released in June 23rd. So the cast and crew screening was after the release of the movie. And he was just like, I don't know, but it was definitely beforehand. But it was definitely beforehand for the UK. The UK got in on in August eleventh, nineteen eighty nine, and I, I brought this up to Carl. I, I showed Paul's um, Paul's insight to Carl, and I was talking to him about how like it was such simpler times that you could release a major movie like this months later and not have to worry about spoilers because there's no fucking way that this would happen now. Where you're just like, ah, oh, you're gonna get it in like two months, and like you know, internet piracy is gonna, you know, not gonna affect anything or it's just spoilers being on YouTube. Like they didn't have to deal with that in 89. It was just literally like, oh, America's gonna get in June 23rd. We're gonna get it in August. I guess nobody ruins the movie in like the next couple of months because like the only way that you have communication between the two is if you literally know somebody, you know, or call England. Like yeah. it's just <laughs> didn't happen at the time. It's nobody's gonna call England just to drop Batman spoilers. Yeah, like it just I could see that happening. I mean, it's a it was a a across the pond, mm-hmm. and well, yeah, that's the only thing. That's the only thing in the list. It was across the <laughs> pond. It's just too fucking far. And and yeah. B was ninety two. So like, or yeah, it's, it's here. Yeah, or eighty nine. Yeah, yeah, eighty nine. Sorry, yeah. It's so, not like, a time for like. You, there's no YouTube here where you can just be like, oh, I don't want to see somebody do some like cell phone cam footage of of Batman punching Joker off the cathedral. Like, this didn't exist. You know. Ben, you and I are the age where we do remember a time with absolutely no internet. Yes. I mean, we got it by the, we had the internet by 98. So we we were mm-hmm. in like middle schools. Yeah. So we had early version by then, but before 98, like, you know, around that time, like there was nothing. So like, we sort of remember it, but like we, uh, I don't know. It's just, just the world's changed so I much. Know, like right? England doesn't seem, the whole world's smaller. Like I, I'm sure at this time, it, you know, it's just... Yeah, it was like it's a different you time. could release it almost at any time. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know? No way now. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, so there was that. And then uh, this was funny. This is a comment from Will Moore on our uh, episode on the Batman novelization saying, joins live stream. When he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. He says, oh. <laughs> nice. That's about Manscaped. Johnson's, Johnson's ball sack, Will Moore. Yeah, yeah. Go get it at manscaped.com. 20% off. 20% off. For the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> you should know what's up by now if you're joining our live streams consistently. That's true. Uh, so this comes from David S. on Facebook. Uh, this was about our conversation about the mm-hmm. phrase about walk so they could run in the Batman novelization episode. He said, quote, the phrase walk so they could run is about evolution, crawl to walk to run. So that's his that's his explanation for why. Uh, it's, it uh, does make sense. I was yeah. reading it the total wrong way or a different way, at least. Yeah, as as I brought up, I was like, eh, like I could see it go either way, but I think it just depends on like what you think the purpose of the interpretation is. I just saw it as we, the previous generation worked really hard, so we don't mm-hmm. have to work as hard as they did. Gotcha. So gotcha. run, yeah. and then we walk. Mm-hmm. But I might have taken that the wrong way. So gotcha. There's that. <laughs> so those are the fan comments. Over to yeah. the fan shoutouts. I'm gonna go over here. Oh, yeah. We're all backwards-like now. <laughs> Spicy okay. We want to thank everybody on the Patreon. These are the $1 tier people or above uh, here on the board. And uh, we'll read off some of the newer people. So uh, we want to thank um, uh, Halsey C., Maurice D., Jonathan, Robert H., R.D., Decade VV, Josh M., Benjamin V., Chris F., Michael S., Metageek, Chuck ATWT and Yuli. So, yeah, thanks everybody, and thanks to our other supporters as well. They're up on the board here. We want to thank our people uh, again at the $1 tier uh, that gets you the shout out on the board there. The $5 tier gets you a whole other show. This show right here is free, it's on YouTube, <laughs> it's, it's on every Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, the $5 tier show is on every Friday. And uh, it's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. Mm-hmm. We have been growing in numbers. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we've we've had a, an uptick lately in that, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad everybody's liking the show there. Thank you always to Ben as well for the Batman tutelage. Of course. <laughs> keeping the show running <laughs> so uh <laughs> and uh so i want to thank the ten dollar tier people as well um but uh yeah the ten dollar tier is our monthly meetup we actually just had it um mm-hmm. as of this recording but uh it's at the end of every month um usually on a thursday or friday you can meet with us in a zoom like environment and we just kind of uh basically kind of shoot the ship there's also a topic at hand there's there's uh you know reactions that we do as well and things like that so uh that's a ten dollar tier ten dollar tier and you can of course uh the way patreon works is uh if you join ten dollar tier you also get the five dollar and one dollar tier benefits and everything like that so you always get the benefits below uh the below uh, uh tier benefits as well so uh yeah um, please join us there on patreon so uh yeah uh go to um also get our merch <laughs> please get our please 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 be the one (laughs) i feel bad making fun of our own fucking merch but uh, (laughs) in some sense making fun of the sales not what it is yeah i i I know yeah yeah making fun of the sales (laughs) 
I do want to get new merch at some point. But anyway, uh, yeah, if you want to get uh, this merch before we stop, you know, that's a way we can sell it. <laughs> limited we, time. <laughs> it will be limited once we get new artwork. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, we're gonna cycle that that stuff out. So yeah, um, superhousepod.redbubble.com, superhousestuffpod.threadless.com. We got all kinds of shit there. Uh, the typical stuff: mugs, shirts, shower curtains. Ben Man and Deed Wizard and um, Zacula, that other guy. He's yeah. on there um, at the moment. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, Stefan Santa Cruz. Uh, the artwork is by Stefan Santa Cruz, aka Wolfie, uh, former host of the show, co-host of the show. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, please send us some audio to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. I, I, <coughs> I am Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. Uh, Thunderwolfdrew.com as my portfolio all the stuff you can see there wonderful wonderful stuff and then it has everything but all my stuff except for amonorecon.com that's a m a n o r e c o n.com take it's a it's an original idea but the main influence is the the the, the elevator pitch is is r rated uh, stranger things meets power rangers a little bit of x files in there as well and uh we're we're getting really close. We're gonna have something at some point, but we might do uh, uh, what you call it a um, film festival run. We're gonna see what we can do with that before we like premiere it on for Indiegogo and everything. So uh, that's that's kind of our new development. But we'll see how that goes. But uh, we just feel like we worked so hard on it, we wanted to have like a a film festival run. At mm-hmm. least, at of least course. a couple, at least a couple screenings. You know, nice. like hor- horror film fest and stuff like that. Short film fest. It's like four minutes long, so like, you know, it's definitely in the sh- short film category. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, artwork by by Zach Zachary Jackson Brown. Uh, so check out his art. Search for him, and that's it for me, Ben. Shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow our social media on Twitter. We're Superhouse Pod. Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, where you can send over those pictures of Penguin, Catwoman, Batman, or Woo! anything from that uh, from that night at the Batman Returns event. We'd love to see more of it. Uh, on TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. Snyder, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Snyder, can you hear me? That's Ben on... Uh... <laughs> on Vero, yes. <laughs> on Vero. <laughs> just trying to get Snyder's attention. Because <laughs> it's like three people on there. It's like actually yeah. possible. <laughs> it's, no, it's Snyder and... All the all his friends, yes. Citrone and fucking everybody. <laughs> Ray dude. Fisher, yeah. Ray Fisher's on. Oh, you know Ray <laughs> Fisher's on there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> my website is benwanrider.com, where you can read my Gotham script, Gotham Vampire, where young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk, as well as Elementary, the death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, the adventure of the dying detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that could never make, where Larry goes to Disneyland and tries not to piss off Mickey Mouse. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below where you can also check out Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, a an audio drama I write, narrate, and edit thumbnail by our assistant Dan, where basically the eighth doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi in ancient Japan. My Instagram is Benwan Ryder. My son's Instagram is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. Uh, yes, my son, Alfie, the other cat. Uh, if you have another cat or Alfie or Peanuts or any of the cats that you've we've talked about on this podcast, then you need to get them the whisker box, the only Woo. cat box for the crazy cat lady and gent. And if you have a dog, that's okay too, because you can also get the bark box, y'all. 
Give your dog exactly what they want with the BarkBox. You can use our promo link. Basically, you get the first month off valued at $35. You get that month off for free valued at $35. And you can get that promo link. Go ahead. I just had an idea. Yes. If you do this via us, uh, (laughs) take a picture with your... If you want, if you want, of course. Uh, yes. I mean, of, of course, it's voluntary. But mm-hmm. anyway, take a picture of your pet, whether Whisker Box or Bark Box, your your cat or your dog, maybe with some Batman stuff in the background with your pet. Ah, yes. And whatever you got from Bark Box or Whisker Box, and then uh, tag us. Uh, what could the tag be, Ben, on Instagram or Twitter? Oh, I mean, if they're ta- you mean they're tagging our account, or you mean like yeah, ag- tagging us so we know. Uh, yeah, they, tag us they at superhero stuff pod. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, and le- and let us know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just make sure not to dye your dog pink. Like don't die. Don't die your dog pink. Peta's gonna tear your door down. <laughs> you shouldn't do it anyway, even with even if Peta's not around. <laughs> you know, Etsy sells those uh, those batterings, the remote control batterings. Yeah. Uh, for Batman Returns. So if anyone has a poodle and wants to have their poodle cosplay as that poodle, get that one from Etsy and just put it in their mouth and take a picture and tag us, <laughs> tag us a superhero stuff pod. I'd love to see that. You probably, you might ruin that Etsy thing. So maybe get two of them yeah. <laughs> just in case. Just make sure the dog's cool with it. We don't want to be, you know, yeah. yeah make it's sure it's safe to put in the dog's mouth. Yeah, too. yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, whatever... Do whatever is best for your dog and is safe for your dog and uh, get the bark box for them available yes. through superherostuffpod.com slash shop where you can get all sorts of stuff. You can get Amazon affiliate links to stuff like the Michael Keaton 89 Funko that I brought up before. Um, you, <laughs> I see here we also got a Funko for the Ezra Miller flash. We might we oh. might be changing that up. We're going to be uh, <laughs> removing that one post haste. Forgive us for... Exchanging that with Grant Gustin's. Yeah, uh, for, forgive us for not already having done so. And uh, yeah, outside of the, the shop. A little oopsie not, on that one. It's not like anyone's buying anything from this anyway. Uh, but no, no one, They might. Yeah. Let us I know mean, they, as they, well. They, with man, they did with Manscaped. Well, that leads us to the next one. Manscaped. Yes, some, yes, yes. Some of you have been using this promo code. At least we've been told. And some of you are going platinum. At least we hope. Uh, so, <laughs> unzip your pants as Will discovered, balls. as Will discovered in the comments section. Unzip your pants and reveal platinum uh, to. Don't tag us are. on that one. Don't Ted, please don't. <laughs> Just say day. you bought it in text. Yes, yes, <laughs> text is fine. Twenty uh, percent off plus free shipping using the promo code Johnson's Ballsack at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off plus free shipping, Johnson's Ballsack. At Manscaped.com. Sorry, promo code Johnson's Ballsack at Manscaped.com. That's not, a, that's not an email address. If you <laughs> shaved your stash on your face, <laughs> facial hair, into yes. a bat symbol, tag us, please. Please do, yes. You can use this. Obviously, it's fucking Ballsack and shit. So you can use it for the other stuff. But yeah, obviously, for Instagram, for your face, <laughs> please. please tag us for those pictures. And say, uh, you know, you can use the hashtag. Well, actually, maybe not use the hashtag in um, Instagram (laughs) for the promo code. But anyway, use uh, Superhouse Pod. (laughs) Tag us. Try to find us on Instagram and and share your photos uh, if you've if you've if you've gotten it through us. But yeah, if you want to make your dick seem bigger, (laughs) 
Because first impressions are everything, y'all. Yes. And even 400th impressions if you're married. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a fucking like big ass bush outside of your briefs. Indeed. You gotta keep. <laughs> you got this. It's my favorite part of the show, guys. <laughs> you gotta keep that shit tight. Yes. In the fucking mm. underoos, you know what I'm Trim saying? Trim your bush, yes. Trim your goddamn bush. <laughs> and what better way than keeping it platinum with a platinum package 4.0? Yes, 20% off, man, and free shipping for the love of God. Please do. You got to do For the sake of it. your balls and your marriage or relationship or whatever you're in. Yes, for yes, the, yes. For their sake, please do. For their sake. His, her, or their sake. Please. Yes. yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess that's going to do it. And uh, we want you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. Give me a Batman Returns line. I'm drawing a fucking blank. Meow. (laughs) (laughs) Things change. There, There we go. You don't really think you'll win, do you?